0: Welcome back to I'm Open. We've got an awesome episode coming up with my personal attorney, David F. Jacobs, in the building. We're going to be talking about basketball courts surrounded by hot lava, copy and pasting, and what is the real value of polyester. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open.
1: We are so excited to have with us here today my good friend and my personal attorney, just in case anything goes down, David F. Jacobs. David, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Appreciate you.
2: It's my pleasure. For all those uh, uh, Bar Association folks listening, I I am not barred, uh, but I do give out uh, legal advice illegally. So please don't come get me and please let me be barred uh, in a few years.
1: Not only is he not barred, he's also barred from every single Wendy's in the tri state area. So he can, you know, it's, it's, is it, is it a little bit of a gray area? Sure, it might be. But, you know, like much of the law, that's, that's the way we operate. So I'm just glad I have somebody on my side I can trust.
2: You know, it's actually that experience going up against Wendy's that uh, pushed me towards the law. And uh, uh, I really hope that uh, I can finally get the, the organization. I want to take Wendy's down. Wendy's, just know I am coming for you. Uh, and I hope Burger King is, is a big supporter of the show. Wow. Well, uh, I just have to say, those are not my
1: views. Even though this is my lawyer, I love Wendy's. I love your fries. I love your square burgers. I love the Frosties you guys have. And the only thing I'll be coming for will be those food items. I will not be coming for your organization in any way. Something, uh, DJ, that's coming up soon. Speaking of coming for things, the NFL draft is coming for all of us. Now, two teams. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs are still alive by the time this podcast airs. Patrick Mahomes will be Super Bowl 54 MVP. And um, the season will be over and everybody, even those teams, will be ready to focus on the NFL draft. Now, the NFL has just announced some huge changes to the draft this year. For the first time ever, the draft will be held in Las Vegas, Nevada, City of Lights, and the gambling, and plastic surgery, and what they are going to be doing dj i don't know if you saw this is they will be having the nfl draft stage on water on the on the fountain, the famous fountains of bellagio as seen in um, the ocean's 11 series and each of the players will be transported to the stage by boat did you see this news yet
2: i did this i did see this news and i got to say I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. I said for years that Combine should have a uh, a swim portion. I want to know how these people freestyle. I want to know their butterfly time. Um, people say that this is a land-based sport and that the uh, tryouts should be limited to the land. I say that's crazy. I want the best athletes possible, and that includes knowing how they swim.
1: Well, I just do need to clarify, I'm not sure if you got to the end of the article, but none of the players
2: will actually be required to swim to, to, to the stage. There was Here's here. the thing, that, that's what they're saying publicly in the news, and you gotta you can understand why they're saying that. This plan would be widely ridiculed if it came out that they had that they plan to make players swim to the podium on what should otherwise be the happiest day of their life. No, but I do think that boats will malfunction. The fountain will go askew. Uh, There will be players in the water. That I, I would guarantee.
1: Well, I'm positive. At least one player, when they get drafted, will, do, will like dive in the water and belly flop or something. Like You have to do some sort of a water joke or something, right? Somebody's going to go viral doing that. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but I'm pretty confident they're going to see somebody do some sort of a water thing.
2: I think that uh, Joe Burrow should place an inflatable alligator in the, in the water and then jump in and wrestle the, the alligator right. as one last nod to, uh, to the state of Louisiana. Uh, You know, just to show them I know where I'm coming from. Uh, I I will never forget you uh, and and I will always have love for you. I think that would be a really touching sentiment um, if he could honor the state in that way. That would be cool. I wonder,
1: I wonder, like, what would be the coolest thing somebody could do now to take advantage? Like if somebody could maybe do a bobbin for apples thing or like a fishing thing, Um, the swimming would be cool. Maybe synchronized swimming. If a couple guys like get drafted from the same team, maybe they can routine ready to go. I'm trying to think of ways people can really take advantage of it. Um, but it is exciting. I'm excited for for the draft. And they have these little boats that take the guys up to the stage when they get picked. So that's pretty cool.
2: I will say that one of my uh, lifetime goals personally is to wear a uh, tuxedo uh, or just formal wear generally uh, while riding a jet ski. Okay. And I think if one of the players could say, uh, no, 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 I'm good on the boat, and then ride out on a jet ski in almost like a, a James Bond sort of way, huh. uh, maybe with Bond music playing, I think that uh, would be a, a very memeable moment for this NFL. I love that. I really love that idea.
1: The other thing I was thinking about logistically is um, how how deep do you really think that the, the fountain is? Because it's hard to drive a boat in a fountain. Right. It's got to be. It's like a three. I can't. I mean, it's not like a 20 feet deep fountain made for me three or four feet deep. I'm sure I could research this somewhere out there, but I'm not going to. I'm just I'm just shooting off the off the dome here. But it's got to be a kind of a flat
2: bottom boat there. You don't want this, the motor scraping the bottom of the of fountain. Yeah. And I think I, it's funny you say that. It didn't occur to me that, uh, of course, this is almost assuredly a shallow uh, water fountain. Um, but I love the idea that there would be boat troubles and then somebody would just step off the boat and it's like bare, but the water's barely up to their ankles. Like they barely need to lift up, um, their pants. They just like take off their shoes, like hold them and then just like barely are touching the water as they just walk all, all the way to
1: the podium. Just kind of roll your old, roll your old, uh, pants up. And, uh, or just weighed over.
2: Well, that I think also begs the question of whether any players will be, uh, wearing waterproof clothing to the draft. Mm. Um, is a player wear, maybe just wearing a bathing suit? Are they wearing a suit, a full suit made out of bathing suit material? Uh, a, a wet suit uh, with the, the, uh, logo of the team that drafts them? Yeah. Um, that's cool. You know, or just a Speedo.
1: Yeah, just a straight up speedo. You know, last year they had the draft in Nashville. Uh, they've been trying to mix it up, like where the draft is going to be different destinations. But it's really like to me, it seems like they escalated too quickly. It's like for your child's, you know, third birthday, you give them a set of Legos, and their fourth birthday, you give them their own car. It's when you go from that. Not, I'm not trying to roast Nashville. I'm not trying to roast that Nashville. I just want to let you guys know Taylor, Taylor Swift, um, Ryan Tannehill, all the other folks in Nashville. No no issues there. But um, it's like, all right, you get drafted in Nashville. And it's like, all right, cool. Let's go out to the Grand old Opry or maybe see some cool uh, cover bands out on the old Nashville Strip. Maybe buy some cowboy boots. you are in Vegas. Now, you're riding on water to the fucking draft. Table, and now they're getting their signing bonus properly. They have their agent there, and you're already in Vegas. Your whole squad is there. You just had one of the biggest nights of your life. These guys are going to go in. Like, if you left college last year and you got drafted in Nashville, you're probably like, fuck, I should have waited for the Vegas draft. This is going to be lit.
2: Yeah, you got to think that's a major oversight from the NFL. uh The idea that these players are are at such a vulnerable time and you're going to give them a ton of money in America's playground and then just say half at it. I mean, the only thing worse would be putting them in like Tampa Bay, uh, you know, the strip club capital of the United States. uh, And and with all the, all that new money, but like other than that, it's truly uh, just an insane oversight on their part. You would think that they'd go like Nashville, Dallas, Something
1: uh, just—it uh, mean, was Too, but just—but—but but Vegas is extremely. It's like it's a good idea on the whole on the on paper, but once you dive into the consequences, it's actually a terrible idea. These guys are all twenty to twenty-seven as Joe Burrow, and finishing his ninth year of college. But you know, all these guys, young guys, and, and it's going to be—I mean, how are they going to hold back? How are they going to hold back? It's going to be really fucking tough, and. They're in Vegas. They've just become millionaires. There are celebrities. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for them to not make bad decisions. And I was looking at Super Bowl prop bets. Um, you know, as we mentioned, by the time this podcast is out, the Super Bowl will have been concluded. But one of the interesting bets I saw, which is a little um, dark, a little nihilistic maybe, but it was like over under how many players are going to get arrested in Miami following the Super Bowl. Um, and it was like the odds not over under, but I think it was odds. Like I think it was greater odds that no one will get arrested, but there was a but it was like if you bet that somebody gets arrested you can make a good amount of money. Um, I obviously hope none of these guys get arrested. But uh I, I worry for the draft that those odds must be skyrocketing now that it's in Vegas. The guys are even younger, their their lineal cortex isn't fully grown or whatever they say. It's gonna be risky.
2: Yeah, I I gotta say I mean, I'm generally, I, I do want to say that I'm a big fan of the NFL mixing it up. I, I always thought that uh, holding the Pro Bowl in, in Hawaii seemed like a, a gift for the players and a slap in the face for the fans. Uh, I just have never had any interest in the Pro Bowl. Uh, it was was too far away. It was a week after the Super Bowl. Uh, and there was no dunk contest. Uh, that was another thing. I always, I, I think to this day that the NFL should have a dunk contest
3: mm-hmm.
2: um either they they roll out a uh, a basketball hoop onto the field or they just use the upright as uh, mm-hmm. as the hoop um but either way I, you can't tell me that Odell Beckham Jr. uh couldn't dunk a ball in incredible ways and i think the fact that we've been deprived of that for so long uh is debatably a prosecutable offense it is i mean i
1: do think with the pro bowl that just happened i mean they have been getting a little bit better. Like, they used to, like now they make them play dodgeball. They make them do these weird, like, competitions and stuff. I do think they're getting better, but I think they still need to take it a little bit farther. Like, for example, we want to see a three-on-three basketball tournament of NFL players. That would be awesome, right? They already do the dodgeball. That's really cool. But, like, imagine these guys balling against each other. A lot of these guys did, like, play, you know, in college, poop. So, like, a lot of these guys are super talented. The other thing I would love, to, I mean, soccer. Odell is a great soccer player. That would be fun. You know, kickball, different stuff like that. Like they're just incredible athletes. So, I like the dodgeball thing they're doing. Why don't we just scrap the football all together and just have them? Because they don't want to tackle each other. They don't want to hit each other. Why don't we just have them do, like, a little Olympics of different games? Because they're really just incredible athletes. So, let's just see what they can do.
2: I love that. just like a, a decathlon, 12 different events. Uh, last man standing, or the person with the most wins, they're the victor. I will also say that some sort of uh, game, like it's like a game of horse, but with Mm -hmm. kicking field goals. So you're like, you're in the the bleachers, you're uh, like kicking for just like uh, trick field goals. And obviously that's the most fun if uh, it's uh, kickers against kickers. But I, again, would love to see Odell Beckham Mm -hmm. kicking field goals. Because again, I, I believe that he could be a top kicker in the NFL If people didn't feel like he was better with his hands than with his feet, which he probably is. But I I do like that, though. Like,
1: and part of it is is you guys are also multi talented Odell probably could be a great kicker, too. And that's something else I'd want to see. I think just scrap the whole normal game. Let's see a game where nobody's allowed to play on their normal side of the ball. So if you're defense, you play offense. If you're offense, you play defense. And if you're special teams, you play something else. That would be really awesome. So I think that's what we need to do. Like everybody split up into like seven on seven squads, and let's just have like a mini like March Madness flag football tournament where like nobody's allowed. It's the NFL Street or something, you know. It was just like you have Ricky Williams, Julius Peppers, and Brett Favre, and like that's your team. And then you're like, I guess
2: Julius Peppers is playing tight end or whatever. But that used to be awesome. I also think that maybe every year is a stretch, but at least one year. The college national champion should play a game against the last-place finisher in the NFL Mm -hmm. just to remind people that even the last-place team in the NFL would destroy the top college football team, just to assert their dominance. Uh, I know there are people like you who really love their college football, uh, O.H., but uh, college football, I think, is a disappointment year in and year out, I'll say it, and I think just uh, you know getting to show the the, the young gunners before they uh, arrive in the NFL, like oh, you're not shit. Sure. I because agree. With you game. It's absolutely
1: ridiculous how I mean yeah these college teams are awesome this year. We saw LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, three undefeated teams entering the playoff, three awesome teams. I mean LSU obviously was a great champion. A lot of team are, people are calling him the, one of the best college teams ever. But when you consider, okay, Joe Burrow is like. Ooh, easily older than Lamar Jackson right so it's not I love Joe Burrow that's my guy he secretly look if we would have let him play he never would have left Ohio State but you know it is it's not the same right when you look at these guys like NFL every single guy was the star of their
2: team in college and it's not the same they that's their job I didn't want to I didn't want to rub it in but if you brought it up I feel like I'm allowed to go there do you think that was the worst mistake in Ohio State football history
1: no, man, it's fine. Obviously, at the time, he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins for the job, right? So without, looking back, was that a mistake? Considering Joe just had one of the best you know, quarterback seasons we've ever seen in college football. Now, in retrospect, it's a mistake. But at the time, I mean, Urban Meyer, I trust the guy's judgment. And he had two great quarterbacks. Everybody there loved Joe Burrow, too. But he had JT Barrett ahead of him first. He couldn't beat, beat out JT. And then when JT got injured, Cardale Jones obviously took over and won a national title, which is hard to believe that Joe Burrow was on that uh, team. And then uh, with like Zeke Elliott, Mike Thomas, all those guys were his same recruiting class. Like, so they're all friends of his. They're all supporting him after the game. And then obviously he couldn't beat out uh, Dwayne Haskins the next year to be the starter, which is, you know, it's too bad. But obviously Dwayne Haskins, he broke so many records at Ohio State and, you know, won won the Rose Bowl for us. So... I think at the time, it seemed like, well, this guy's awesome, too, and he was a top 10 pick, so it's hard, you know, it's hard to, to, to live in retrospect, right? But I think, a, you know, Buckeye Nation's happy for Joe Burrow, and, and he clearly loves the love in his heart for the Buckeyes as well. So it's all good, man. No hard feelings.
0: Listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, and tell a friend to listen to the show.
1: So, DJ, as I, um, you know, as I mentioned, the Super Bowl uh, just just uh, concluded here, but it's been a lot of changes here. It's been, you know, it's not it's not the same. Time passes on, things change. And I saw an awesome picture of Lenny Dawson, who was the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, the last time they won the Super Bowl about 50 years ago. And he, he, I just, you know, the Chiefs have not. Not a lot of people don't know this. The Chiefs have not been in the Super Bowl for 50 years, right? But they were in Super Bowls I think one, two, and four. So those first four years, they were really in the mix, big time. And um, there was a picture I saw of Lenny Dawson, their quarterback, smoking a cigarette during the halftime break. Um, I think it was of Super Bowl one or two. Who do you think is most likely to smoke a cigarette during the halftime break of this Super Bowl?
2: I don't think he's most likely to, but I will say that Patrick Mahomes always sounds as if he has just finished smoking a mm-hmm. cigarette. There's something about his raspy Kermit voice <laughs> that always says nicotine was freshly put in my system. Um, in terms of guys who actually would, I guess Tyree Kill jumped out to me just as somebody who's... Uh, moral character is already in question. Mm. Not to suggest that smoking a cigarette is in any way, you know, morally questionable, but More as bad as uh, the other stuff. He's done. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to put it on par with the stuff he uh, has been accused of doing.
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't be you know, I feel like Jimmy G Maybe, you know, the quarterback for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. For the I'm Open family fans who who don't know Jimmy, you'll see him at the Super Bowl. They probably talked about how he's handsome. I mean, he he seems like he could be. I know he takes his football serious, but he still kind of seems like a chill dude. He doesn't seem like super, super intense like some of these other guys. He dated like a porn star. Um, So he seems like he's maybe just a little bit of that Marlboro man type vibe.
2: I hear that. The only thing is that I think Tom Brady really impressed upon him that if you're going to be uh, one of the most handsome quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, you really need to uh, take care of yourself and not do anything that could jeopardize your face. I mean, I'm sure he also talked about, you know, keeping your body in check and doing things like not eating strawberries. But I would imagine that a big part of it was, uh, you know, protect that money-making face. Jimmy's just such a handsome guy. Uh, wow, it just, it doesn't even honestly make sense that he uh, gets hit every every day and still looks like that. It's just not fair for the rest
1: of us. Well, something else that's not fair, DJ, is that Ron Rivera, the new coach of the Washington, uh, racial slurs has decided that the team will no longer be allowed to play ping pong. His first um, act as as coach of the of the Redskins is to remove the ping pong table and the shuffleboard table from the team's locker room. Do you think he's coming down too hard? Mr. No Fun? Mr. Nobody's allowed to laugh and smile? Or do you think that was the right um, move for him as the new coach?
2: I mean, I understand that he has to uh, assert his dominance and and mix things up uh, to try to get something going uh, in a team that has just been uh, mired in defeat for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just just a vacuum of joy in the NFL, but I gotta say, anytime the risk, anytime the Washington football team is ready to take a, a big bold step that is not changing their name, uh, it's just lost on I me. Mean, it feels like you have the obvious thing right up front. It's begging to be changed. It's begging to be mixed up. I think the fans uh, would would get come around. I think
3: mm-hmm. it's
2: tough on them to constantly have to defend. Uh, the fact that they chant uh, in favor of a racial slur every Sunday, like that, that can't be easy on them. Dan Snyder, I, I don't understand how he still defends it, and it just feels like uh, ping pong is, is sidestepping the real issue here. Yeah,
1: you're right. I mean, ping pong is it's it's changing the window dressing here, but it, the window's has got uh, the windows shattered, and there's a big draft coming in, and it's also snowing, and there's birds flying in through the window as well. That's what it feels like.
2: <laughs> it is truly uh, lipstick on a bigoted pig,
1: you know? Yeah, I do think... Look, if you got to start one way, maybe Coach Rivera does not feel like he has it in his power to change the team. Shout out to him for changing something. We can all agree that it has not been a culture of uh, winning in Washington for that football team. And apparently the special teamers have been the main ones really playing a lot of ping pong. Nick Sundberg, the long snapper, said... Um, we played a lot of ping pong. Me, Tressway, and Dustin, Dustin Hopkins. Those are the punter and kicker. Kicker, because we had the most downtime of anybody on the team. I guess it is tough. Like when you're the long snapper and everybody else is like watching tape and doing film and stuff. All you really have to do is snap the football about six times a game. So you kind of like, do I really need to be in this meeting? But I think it is just setting the right tone for the rest of the team. Allegedly, though, nobody really has used the shuffleboard for a couple of years since Deshaun Jackson left the team. He was really the main shuffleboard sort of promoter on the team.
2: And I get that they felt like it was the right call. Put a shuffleboard in so that Deshaun doesn't have to keep going to retirement communities exactly. and getting in altercations with 80-year-olds on the shuffleboard. Store. I get that. I get that you need to protect your players. You say, I'm going to keep them out of unsafe environments, uh, and I'll, we'll let them play here. Uh so getting rid of a shuffleboard uh that's I'm okay with that, Coach Rivera. I think that's probably the right call. But yeah, as you said, a long snapper, I, I don't mean to denigrate what they do for a living, but is it is it that hard? I'm not saying I could do it, but do they need that much practice? No, they don't. But uh
1: you know a great resource for you, DJ, and for everybody out there in the I'm open family. There is a site I discovered called uh, longsnapper.com, if I'm, not mistake, if I'm not mistaken, where you that avidly follows every single long snapper. Um, it's like, it really catalogs the history of long snappers and like every long snapper, it's like, here are all the la- long snappers in the NFL right now. I don't know who cares that much about long snapping or has that much time to keep, maintain a this type of a resource database, but... Um, Shout out to them. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool just to peruse if you got a free couple minutes.
2: Are there any long snappers in the
1: Hall of Fame? Uh, There's about to be one Zach Diassi, my man, two-time Super Bowl champion. (laughs) Go, Bruno.
2: (laughs) Go, Bruno. If if anyone deserves it, it, it's certainly Zach. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to think that, you know, I was giving them, uh, I was denigrating what they do, but they really uh, are unsung heroes. They're yeah. not getting celebrated anywhere except the, apparently LongSnapper. dot com. So big shout out to them for doing what they do.
1: And yeah, I just want to let you guys know, LongSnapper.com dot com does not support this podcast in any you know. Way. I mean, they might support us, but we they're not a sponsor or anything. I, we'd love to collab with them in some way, but that's just a genuine appreciation for the work they do. Uh,
2: I was gonna say, if they're interested, they should reach out to your attorney. I'd be happy to field their call. Uh, and potentially even represent them. I know that could be a, a conflict of interest down the road, but I'm a big fan of what they do. We, yeah, we we love their work,
1: and uh, I think we've got some great sort of partnership
2: abilities there in the
1: future. You were just talking about uh, having 80-year-olds on the court, and now that can get a little dangerous when we're talking about uh, Deshaun Jackson's love of shuffleboard. Well, you know, one of the only other places where we see folks like that of that age on the court is the Big Three League. And that is a league that was created by Ice Cube to allow retired basketball players now. Up until now, we haven't had the 80-year-olds play, but we have had some older fellows play, um, and to still allow retired basketball players to play a little three-on-three half court ball, We all get to see, you know, a lot of these guys who we grew up watching who now um, don't quite still have it to play in the NBA, but still can really ball. It's, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been growing, you know, these first couple of years. Well, this season, they decided they don't want to be considered a league just for retirees anymore. They want to be a league for everybody. They have lowered the minimum age to 22 years old. So originally the big three was like, where you go? Where you kind of washed up? Now they're trying to, I guess, sort of not compete with the NBA because they can't. And it's not the same season they play during the summer. But they're now
2: opening it up to everybody. Do you think this is going to help the big three league grow? I don't think bringing in 22-year-olds is really going to make the level of play or of competition that much higher. I could be wrong. I think this is a mistake. I think you lean in the other direction, and I think you put an age cap of uh, 40. No one younger than 40. I think walkers should be allowed on the court. I think canes should be allowed on the court. Uh, I think wheelchairs should be allowed on the court. So I think a minimum you certainly do not want to be discriminating against uh, people of different abilities. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you lean into the aged stars
1: week. Yeah, I like it more honestly. I, I would rather not have the young guys. There's so many other places to see young guys play basketball. Right? I, I completely
2: mean, agree. We don't take it away from place. the novelty.
1: Yeah, it's the novelty that we like to see old guys playing
2: basketball. I agree. Old only. Like let's see it, right? Let's see it. If I want to see young guys play, I could walk to uh you know the West Fourth Street basketball courts right around uh right around the corner for exactly. me. And I'll see I'll see very solid young guys play basketball. I'm going to the Big Three for something completely different. Yeah,
1: man. And so the other thing, um, but part of their whole rebrand here in the press release is that the Big Three has announced they don't even play basketball. Can you believe it, DJ? They don't even fucking play basketball. Okay. What? No, they don't because they play fireball. Okay. They haven't invented a new sport, an entirely new sport. This is, and this is from, this is official press release here, uh, January 15th. Ahead of its fourth season in 2020, the Big Three is announcing a bevy of enhancements to the league, as well as recognition of what has already been accomplished over the past three years, the official creation of a new global sport, Fireball 3. Oh, Fireball
2: 3 is what it's called. What do you think? New sport? Uh, I, uh, I don't mean, I feel like I'm Mr. Negativity today, but gotta say, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And if you're a fireball, the, uh, alcohol company, reach out to me. Let's sue these guys. You are the fireball. Let's make a fireball three alcohol. Brat yep. kids will be taking shots of it all over the place. This is ridiculous. They're playing basketball. They're playing basketball. Get Fireball out of here. I
1: don't, yeah. We invented a new sport. It's obviously basketball. They were saying because they have like a four point shot and it's half court. Okay. People play half court around the world. And you're right, DJ. I think there's a good lawsuit ability there with the Fireball thing. That's really pushing it. There's already a brand called Fireball, unless they're like, unless it's like branded content, unless they have like that collaboration, in which case. Um, you should be required to take a shot of fireball every time you foul somebody or something. Maybe that would make the game more interesting, a bunch of drunk old guys playing basketball.
2: Now, see, if that's what they meant by fireball, I'm in. Yeah. I would love that. I love the, the mixing of the two. But if they just mean that it's half-court basketball, that's that's not a different sport. It's still basketball. That's like McDonald's cutting a hamburger in half and saying they've invented a new food. It's still a hamburger. Well, so their
1: reasoning... Would be there, are, and this is straight from the from the big three company site. There are a lot of sports out there that require similar skill sets, like MMA and boxing or football and rugby, but they're not the same sport. And our fans let us know that we were playing something extremely unique and different. Fireball three.
2: Where does the fire come in? See, that just makes me wish that there was true fire on the court. Mm-hmm. To me. It It's a bad idea because it gets people hyped for a sport that's going to let them down.
1: You're right. It is a letdown when you think you're going to see fireball, especially as a kid who hasn't heard of it. And then it's just basketball. I'm not saying just basketball. I love basketball. But if you say we're going to see fireball, I'm thinking of like a Dragon Ball Z situation. Um,
2: Yeah, I'm expecting a pyrotechnic display, in which case, again, I'm on board. If you could make a true fire... With fireball the liquor and the big three basketball, I think you have an unbelievably successful league on your hands.
1: Okay, you better shut up before somebody steals our idea, because we're going to be multi-multi-billionaires with this one. (laughs) Flaming hot lava underneath the basketball court, and then some sort of connection to drinking fire, taking shots of fireball, which is disgusting. But, you know, we'll work it into the game. Take a fireball shot. Talk about win the
2: championship talk about really raising the stakes when you surround the court with lava it really uh ups the level of competition okay those mm-hmm. those 40 to 60 year olds are going to be playing as hard as they played about you know 30 to 40 years ago dj
1: i think we just we just hit on our million dollar idea i'm really excited i'm really fired up by by our new fireball idea and um you know unfortunately on the other side of the table here the nfl has a 500 dollar idea and that is every time players exchange jerseys, they are fined $500. Now, we see this every single game. If you played with somebody in college, if you grew up in the same state or in the same city, if somebody's just your friend, your buddy, you exchange jerseys, you have a little note on the back of the jersey. It's definitely, it came from soccer, football, as non-Americans call it. And now they've adopted it and a lot of other sports, including American football and basketball. But I had no idea that every time these guys give jerseys, they're charged five hundred dollars for their jersey. Do you think this is really the the
2: price of a jersey five hundred dollars just to give away your jersey to your friend? It, they may as well change their name to the No Fun League. I, I gotta yeah. say, I love I love the jersey exchanges. Uh, I loved when Dwayne Wade not to change sports here, but when well, Dwayne, but Dwayne Wade all, was having all his all your- final season. He would give out his jersey at, at the end of every game to somebody who uh, felt meaningful to him, and you would see, like, scrubs being like, if it can be me, Is it gonna be me, and there was never them. He always went just for, like, the star, the young guy who is the future, the old guy who he had played with for years. And then at the end of the season, he had all these jerseys from the 82 games he played. It was a beautiful way to say goodbye to the league, uh, and it was really fun to follow along to see who was going to get his jersey after every game. And I think it's a similar thing in the NFL where it's, you know, uh, the same league that struggled with Bounty Gate. Uh, you know, this, this is a way to really promote camaraderie and a, a, a sense of, of, of friendship from uh, from players, no matter their team. Mm-hmm. And the NFL is going to say, no, no, we see that you enjoy this, the fans enjoy this, uh, but we want to uh, get rid of it. it, it to me, it, it's, you know, just falling on the heels of getting rid of touchdown dances. That was a failed venture, and this feels like it'll be a similar failure. I agree, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, how stupid do they think we are
1: and how these players are? Like, if you're going to charge them for the jerseys, I understand. It's like, look, this is material that we pay for at the league. Like, if you just want to throw it away, you need to pay for it. But you cannot tell me it costs $500. Like, we buy what might hypothetically be called, quote-unquote, game-authentic jerseys, right, like, of our favorite players. Those are not $500, right? So either we are being lied to and we are buying things that are not authentic game jerseys or, yeah, the players are being lied to and these things don't fucking cost $500. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a mesh shirt. How could it cost $500 to make that? What are they using? Like Kevlar fucking in the middle of the shirt? Like silver,
2: actual silver? There's no way it's this expensive. That's an excellent point and I think that brings up up another great lawsuit idea here. Are the fans being duped across the country? Why are we paying $125 if the real thing ostensibly costs in the neighborhood of $500? Now, I know uh, some of you out there are listening and saying, no, well, some of that is a punitive measure to punish the players for doing this and to try to incentivize them to stop. But uh, is that really, is that going to have an effect? Is it going to make them stop? I hope it doesn't. I, definitely-
1: I hope it doesn't. And why is this something that needs to be punished? It seems like this should be something that's celebrated as a sign of sportsmanship. Because they always give it to the guys on the other team. So it's like you fight, you leave it at all in the field, blood, sweat, and tears for sixty minutes, and then you 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 still can be buddies off the field, right? Like I feel like the NFL should be celebrating this. Every week there's some other viral moment of like, wow, Odell and Mike Thomas, they both respect each other. They both love each other. Oh, wow, these guys both went to Texas together and they still are friends. It's always cool to see those moments. The NFL should be, like, appreciating those moments and, like, documenting, like, hey, sportsmanship, brotherhood, we're all brothers, doesn't matter what team we're on. Instead, they're trying to punish the guys for, like, being friends with people who aren't on their teams. Like, I just, I don't understand why the NFL, like you said, no funding. but like, why, what do you guys have against guys being friends and, and giving a little gift to the guys who, who don't play on their teams? It's also,
2: aren't these players giving you enough? Risking life and limb week yep. in, week out. I don't want to take things in a dark road, but I assume you've watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Yes. These brains are taking a toll, and I'm not suggesting they're not being well compensated, but for all they're giving to the league, And I mean, truly, their blood, sweat, and tears, as you said. Can't they just trade jerseys? Is it really that big a deal? I think these these teams are going to be okay. The Giants, you know, a team that hasn't won or looked anything close to a successful team in years, they're still worth billions of dollars. Can't they afford it?
1: Yep. And then the NFL already gets all these different tax breaks. Talking about legal shit, I mean, the NFL already gets all these different tax breaks, considering them to be like a beneficial organization to the community. And I think there are a lot of good arguments that it is beneficial to the community. But when you consider that each NFL team is regarded as an individual business enterprise, and the league as a whole is not regarded as a monopoly in a sense of all 32 teams right and like the league as a whole is probably worth like 50 billion dollars give or take right if you think each team is worth one or two billion i mean dallas cowboys are probably worth like four or five right so you know this is if you if you add all that up this is literally one of the largest corporations in the world regardless and yet they're penny pinching their
2: players when it comes to their jerseys.
1: exactly this is just this, this is just ridiculous. I mean, this I mean one of the many reasons that you know everybody hates uh, Roger Goodell. Um, and hate is a strong word. We shouldn't hate anybody, but just just let the guys have fun. That's the point. It's an entertainment league. I think sometimes these guys get too serious and caught up with the rules, and they don't remember this is literally for our entertainment. Okay, this is not the fucking Supreme Court. It'll, you know, just please let it be fun. That's the point.
2: I I mean, I think that it goes back to Ron Rivera taking away ping pong Mm tables. I get that it's a job, but it's also about having fun.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Let's let's the boys play.
0: You're still listening to I'm Open. Reach out to us at I'm Open underscore Pod on Instagram to let us know what you want to hear about on the next episode. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show.
2: Am I giving you anything
1: usable? you giving me awesome stuff. Maybe you're giving me awesome stuff. I just have two little things. For everybody here, in the aftermath of the passing of Kobe Mamba, the legend, and it still doesn't really feel real. He is just a larger-than-life personality, and you know, there's all these stories coming out about Kobe his interactions with everybody. And actually, something that happened that I had been wanting to discuss on the pod here before Kobe's accident happened, and before that that tragic Sunday was a moment he had with Luka Doncic, who's an up-and-coming star here for the Dallas Mavericks in the second season. And a couple of weeks ago, um, Luka was playing a game in L.A. Kobe went to watch him play against the Lakers, and Luka was standing on the sideline passing the ball, in, and he heard somebody talking shit to him, which is normal. But the weird thing about it is he heard somebody talking shit to him in Slovenian, which is his native tongue. He grew up in Slovenia. And he turned around and it was Kobe trash-talking him in Slovenian. And I think this is just such a great example of what made Kobe the Mamba, what made him so intense. Like, do you think he already knew Slovenian, or do you think he just learned Slovenian just to fuck with Luka? Because I could honestly see either
2: one being true. You know, I I think a part of Mamba's legacy that we don't talk about enough is the international flavor that he brought to the table. I mean, this is a guy who... Spent some time going up in Italy due to his dad's professional career. Uh, was traded for Vladi Divac right out the gate. I mean, there's this international flavor across the board. Uh, I bet he did learn some Serbian just to uh, try to get in in Luca's head because he's also just a consummate competitor. Uh, and I think uh, you know, in that we think of Reggie Miller as the guy famous for uh, all the trash talking and getting inside people's heads, but I think Kobe was just much more subtle about it. Uh, letting his game for speak for itself and just wearing people down uh, and, and, you know, trash-talking himself in a quieter way with his international flavor, you know, Popovich before Popovich, recognizing the importance of uh, the world in the game.
1: I think it shows a great, like, little sliver of Kobe's, like, competitive spirit. Like, he is retired, and he's still out here, like, talking shit on the court. Like, this is just... A killer mentality. When they talk about it, a lot of guys say in post, like, I eat I eat and sleep ball. Like, this is all I think about. This is all I care about. Like, I, I would not be surprised if Kobe literally, like, bought, um, damn, what's that for language learning program? Rosetta Stone? Yeah. I would not be surprised if Kobe bought the Slovenian Rosetta Stone in practice for, like, hours just to say, like, hey, fuck you, pussy, Toluca, just one time. Like, I would not be surprised because he just he had and I think that's what drew that was what drew people to Kobe and made him so fun to root against in a sense is he had that kind of like evil genius to him. And I'm saying that with utmost respect, but like it seemed like there was no limit to what he was willing to do to get a competitive edge. And that is why so many people look up to him. And that's why he has so many
2: people like
1: just love rooting against him.
2: I, I love it. I, I, with you, I think he probably woke up at 5 a.m. with hitting the, the, uh, Rosetta Stone, was calling up Goran Drogic, asking for some tutoring lessons, make sure he had the pronunciation right, uh, just doing his homework, doing his due diligence. Uh, I just love the stories about, you know, Kobe at, you know, 8.30 a.m. practices, throwing elbows, bloodying guys up, uh, playing hard through every whistle. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot to admire. Obviously, a complicated legacy, but, uh, there's no need to touch on that at this point. We can just talk about, uh, the enormous impact he had on each of us, on the game, uh, on the city of Los Angeles, on the Laker organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the, the great, uh, regrets for the NBA is that, uh, that Kobe and Shaq, uh, were, were oil and water and had to be separated that way because, Boy, it would have been fun to watch them just go title after title after title after title to see how many they could stack up. Ten? Twelve? How many could they have done if they'd been able to keep the peace?
1: When obviously this all this shit was going down and everybody was processing and, and I was, you know, it was pretty emotional and all the different people were coming out telling stories and, and my girlfriend, Ariana, was like, wait, Kobe and Shaq were on the same team? And I was like, yeah, but now like you just know them as media people, um, especially because that was, you know, we were young. Kobe got drafted in 97, so I was four years old at the time. So we were young for the young Kobe days, right? We were kind of too young to really watch that. And and uh, she was like, wait, Kobe and Jack? They were together? And I was like, yeah, legendary. And she's like, oh, my God, that's not fair. That's like the Warriors. That's like Curry and Duran or something. And I was like, yeah, exactly. So all these people shutting, you know, just shut the fuck up about super teams. We love super teams. That's the NBA. We always had super teams. We had Kobe and Shaq. Then we had Kobe, Lamar, and Powell. Um... It's fun to have super teams like that, right? We're always going to have them. And, and, yeah, it is sad because those guys might have won 10 championships in a row if they would have stayed together. But they definitely, their legacies will
2: always be tied to one another. Yeah, the this, this super team thing is, is a great point. Like, uh, people, you know, talk about those Boston Celtics, the Pierce, Ray Allen, Garnett teams, as, like, like uh, you know, the start of the super team era. But the super team era, uh, the super teams – uh Going back years and years, it was just about, you know, the numbers of uh, of stars they had on one team. You know, I think it's reasonable to say that. They grew. We got the Celtics and then the Warriors with four. Uh, but, what, I mean, give me Kobe and Shaq over uh, Garnett, Pierce, and Ray And I know that's a hot take, but oh, particularly yeah. those two in their prime when they were in L.A. together. Mm-hmm. They were superhuman. Both. of them. It kind of makes sense that they didn't totally
1: get along in a way. I mean... Kobe, like we just talked about, is like he only wants to be just a, such a singular-minded dude where he's just focused on that on that one thing that matters to him. And Shaq has a lot of interests, right? Making movies, and Kobe had a lot of interest too. But when he was balling, he was only balling. Whereas Shaq, you know, DJing, making movies, rapping, all this other stuff, and he didn't really have to work out like eighteen hours a day to be able to ball because he happened to be this superhuman gifted. Athlete, you know, seven, three, four hundred pounds and incredible, you know, incredibly light feet and hand-eye coordination. So I think in a way they just couldn't totally understand each other. But obviously I think they knew they both needed each other and Shaq was extremely emotional this
2: past week here, has been processing it all. Yeah, you gotta think that, you know, Shazam, blue chip uh, the icy hot commercials, that that sort of thing really got under Kobe's skin. I will say if they hadn't broken up, we would have been deprived of uh kobe tell me how my ass tastes and so maybe for that reason alone it's it's worth it that they were separated so that we uh could have that in our lives because that was certainly a blessing and then you know the city you and know, when they sat down and uh, and sat face to face and got to uh talk shit about the number of championships each one had their name it made for a beautiful rivalry uh and uh no uh no paper being thrown in a trash will ever be the same.
1: Never will. Never will. I and mean, I think it is, it is crazy. Like for Luca, an up and coming rising star in the game, and he really already is a star in the game, and then to turn back and not be used to having people talk shit, but to have somebody start talking shit in and, and Slovenian, that's got to be like a real, like, you know, head scratcher, head turner that you're like, what is going on? Like, these people really did their fucking homework, man. They did. They did. It was COVID. All right so i'm open family as we all know there's something we have to do every single time before we say goodbye that is to give our mask off award that goes to somebody who's taking their mask off and revealed something new about themselves this week doesn't have to be good doesn't have to be bad just means they took their mask off for the world of course this segment is inspired by the one and only future thank you so much future we uh we really appreciate you
4: mask off. fuck your mask off.
1: All right, DJ. So we've had an awesome episode again. Just just great having you on the show. And a big reason I wanted to get you on the show today was to discuss this this topic for the mask off award. As I mentioned before, you know, you are you are my lawyer, even though you're still working on getting your full accreditation. I still trust you and you and and you're barred in my heart. So uh, I wanted to bring you in for this topic here because there was a little legal situation and nobody's in trouble here, but um, well, I'll just get into it, and, and then we'll get your expert opinion. So we're starting here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, with a young man named Dylan Moses. Now, Dylan, he's one of those guys who was famous when he was like 12 years old. I'm pretty sure Alabama gave him a scholarship to play linebacker for their football team when he was in, like sixth or seventh grade, when I started hearing about him. like He was supposed to be... Awesome. People knew he was going to be awesome, and they were right. It turned out he is awesome. And now he's been a star for Alabama, and this year he had the opportunity to declare for the NFL draft. It was a little confusion because he missed a lot of the season, and at first he said he was going to declare for the NFL draft, then he said he wasn't sure, and then a statement came out from his lawyer, who also happens to be his father, Edward Moses Jr. Now, I am just going to read you a little bit of this letter. And then we can kind of unpack it and break it down. You can let me know what you think from lawyer to another. Is that all right? Please. So the letter starts. Statement from Trust Protector of the Royal Crown, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Trust Protector of the Royal Crown, Edward Moses Jr., today issued the following statement to clarify Dylan Moses' preliminary decision to forego the 2020 NFL draft and return to the University of Alabama to complete his academic requirements for graduation and to compete in the 2020 NCAA college football season instead. The letter goes on. After the completion of the 2019 football season, the NFL Advisory Committee issued Mr. Millers' second-round NFL draft grade should he decide to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft early. We are investigating whether he has a compensable loss of value claim against his current insurance carrier, Lords of London, Lords of London, it says, uh, like as in Lords and Ladies, Lords of London, we also represent his interest during negotiations with the University of Alabama to ensure and to secure the proper protections for his return back to the University of Alabama's football team for his senior season. Does this sound like a
2: real lawyer wrote this, or does this sound like a copy-paste to you? Uh, this is incredible. I have to just say, uh, from the very get-go, uh, I've never seen a legal document in... Um, well, I, I haven't seen a legal document from this year or even the last hundred years to start with trust protector of the royal crown. Um, it's really an incredible way to set a tone. The invocation of Lords of London. Um, wow. There's, there's so much. It's, I'm really lost because there's just so much, uh, to to chew on here
0: you know there as
1: as you mentioned there is a lot to unpack here so let's just go you know step by step first off um the the insurance company he was referring to is lloyds of london uh not lords of london which is lords of london might be something else um maybe a banned or something i'm not sure but lloyds of london which i think he thinks he was talking about is a large insurance company and what they do is basically you can share uh just to just to explain here for the i'm open family who maybe have not heard of it before you can insure yourself to basically protect for your own livelihood just to give some context as a similar situation that folks might remember or have heard of is of tabo sefalosha who's an nba player who was injured in an incident as he was leaving a nightclub last year, he ended up breaking his leg. And um, in Tabo's case, he was able to, I think, receive an insurance payout of about $5 million to compensate for his loss of potential income coming from that injury. Um, So that is, I believe, the same bank where Dylan Moses has his um, his football career insured
2: as well. Yeah, I, I mean, before I you know, say anything further. I just want to reiterate because I don't think I can do this enough times uh, and just disclaim that I, I took a, a single sports class. And so anybody should be extraordinarily wary of uh, taking and running with this legal advice. But I do think that there is a major difference between an on-field and off-field incident. Um, you know, if he was if Dylan Moses was going to try to sue like the NFL advisory committee uh, for the way his grade uh, was downgraded, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I think he would run into serious problems with uh, a legal principle called implied assumed risk, uh, particularly primary implied assumed risk, which mm-hmm. bars recovery um, if the plaintiff assumes risks that are inherent to a particular activity. So if you and I get on the football uh, football field and you uh, tackle me um, and we're just playing a friendly game of Mm -hmm. of football, I'd be about 100% likely to fail if I sued you uh, because it's football. Everybody knows that football is a dangerous sport. If I twist my ankle running on the field uh, and running away from you or if I twist my ankle getting tackled, no jury or judge in this country is going to hold up and say that you – are it false? No, they know that when I got on the field, that I knew that playing football comes with certain risks, that they're just risks inherent to the game, and that I took those on willfully. So now, pretty. that's different than like CTE, because CTE, yeah. they didn't necessarily know that that was a risk inherent to playing the game. But just like a knee injury in practice, something like that, I think that would definitely fail in a lawsuit. And I don't know what the specifics. Are of his policy with, uh, Lords of London. I, I certainly hope for his sake it's Lloyd's. Um, but if in fact it's with Lords, I think he, his chances are even worse, um, because it's again a fictional agency. But I, I can't imagine that he'd be able to recover and, and I, I, feel for the man, but, uh, yeah. uh, and I hope he has a, a, promising, uh, year next year for the Crimson Tide, uh, World Tide. And I hope that he has a, a very successful professional career ahead of him, uh, but I think this is doomed from the from the start. So basically,
0: you know,
1: following along these lines, like if I work at haagen and I develop a wrist injury from scooping so much ice cream, I can't sue Haagen-Dazs because that is part of the job. That's what you expect. And I knew I was going to be scooping ice cream eight hours a day when I applied for this job
2: uh you know I, I i would assume that they have some sort of uh protection in the contract that indemn uh, that protects insulates mm-hmm. themselves from liability for workplace injuries i mean it's possible that in that situation um people don't necessarily think that scooping ice cream is a is a risky uh, is activity so though. it's possible that would be different I, and i think people are wrong to think of it as not a risky activity i think uh, you are right on, on point in saying that that is very dangerous. I think we've all had some late night injuries, uh, being a little ambitious oh, yeah. with, uh, the ice cream pint. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think sports are really the, the top example. If you, you know, get on a lacrosse field and, uh, get just, just destroyed. Uh, it, it's hard to believe that you didn't know that that was a, a, a likely possibility of, of getting on the lacrosse field. I mean, that's why you put pads on. That's why you do all that stuff. is It's the acknowledgement that uh, you put yourself in harm's way. Absolutely. Uh, but again, I, I think your the Hagen does example. I would be, you know, if this has happened to you, uh, reach out. <laughs> let me know. Uh, I'm very interested. Yeah. Uh, but I do you think it's potentially uh doomed as well that doesn't mean I wouldn't be happy to take your money as I investigate yeah absolutely and i mean
1: i think just because he got injured you know in the preseason this year does not mean that maybe he 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 could have maybe gotten injured uh during the fifth game of the season or once he got drafted like a year later there's no way to really prove that and playing in the nfl everybody Sadly, everybody gets injured at some point, right? So it's kind of it's kind of hard. Everybody starts suing every time they get injured, which it's it
2: also be hard, hard to prove. To. Uh, it's also hard to prove that it was because of this injury that he uh, that his uh, spot in the draft went down so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys have a great season and then the next season, uh, or, or even a great first half of the season, and then teams study the tape. They really focus on um, trying to isolate what makes a player successful and seeing what they can do to contain uh, or stop. Uh, a player um and so you know it's hard to hard to know that it was solely this injury that was the cause of his uh drop in, in of his draft prospects uh so you know you you hate to see it uh i wish him all the best yeah. and again for the bar association folks listening when i say i'd be happy to take your money uh about not any haagen-dazs cases i mean years from now when i am a bar attorney i do not mean right now as a law student uh i love you bar association and i look forward to hopefully uh being uh, admitted remember yeah big shout out to the bar association
1: fun group of folks really funky you know, fun squad and uh, they know how to get down. If You're looking for a fun time and uh, really wherever you are, just look them up and see if they've got any nice social events coming on. And
2: yeah, they are a fun group. I just want to add on to that. If you you Google bar events, uh, just about anywhere in this country, uh, if you go to the events up in there, uh, you're going to have a good time. It's going to be, it's going to be something fun, likely at some sort of tavern or, uh, or purveyor of alcohol. Uh, but bar events uh, are usually a great time. Lovely. And uh, uh, nothing but respect for the bar.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, it would make sense for somebody like Dylan Moses to have an insurance plan with Lloyds of London. But um, Lords of London is either something else. Maybe he got scammed. Maybe he bought the wrong insurance package. Or maybe he just didn't spell check.
2: Or perhaps Lloyds of London, um, you know, has a special uh, offering for people who are Trust protectors of the royal crown. You know, maybe us uh, Clevians only get to buy, buy coverage from Lloyds of London, but when you are at that elevated uh, strata of royalty, you can partake of Lords of London. I think it's also important, just for historical context, um, to note that Lloyds of London, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, insured slaves in slave ships. Um, no so good. it's an It is an insurance company with a uh, nefarious and and infamous history uh, that has become embroiled in this controversy. I will say, I think one thing that uh, immediately jumped out at me, and I want to preface this by saying my torts professor from last semester would be appalled to know that I was talking about torts with anything suggesting an understanding of the subject, but uh, I believe (laughs) The difference between Thabo's Cephalosha's situation and uh, Dylan Moses' situation is that Cephalosha's injury uh, did not occur on the field, was not a uh, Mm. sports-related injury, Mm. but was in fact a result of police brutality, Mm. which he went to uh, the court to adjudicate. And I am sure that his insurance coverage uh, covered him for off-field incidents. Uh, now, it's my understanding that Dylan Moses was a football related injury. Am I wrong it was practice, yep. So I think, I mean, and I don't know the specifics of the policy he has with the uh, fictional uh, Lords Good of London, Morris. or perhaps that was a typo and he meant just Lords of London. Now, the CTE suits are different because they didn't know that that was a, a risk inherent in the game. But a leg injury from being tackled by a 300-something-pound guy or by running down the field and twisting your ankle, something like that, that is an injury that anybody who starts playing would expect to occur. And so the idea that this is anything other than a frivolous uh, suit, if he tries to sue, seems crazy to me. Though Again, I I don't know the specifics of whatever coverage he has with uh, the aforementioned Lords of London. So you didn't get a good grade in your torch class? It was fine. I it's just, you know, I I was hoping for better. Uh yeah. Okay. I, I would be lying if I said it was my best class. I I I can't say this. I I don't I I know that he the professor is a big fan of what you're doing on the show and yeah. so I don't want to say anything on about him or his abilities. Um don't. You know, if you're listening, Professor, it was a pleasure taking your course. Uh I wish it had worked out better for both of us, but you know, it is what it is and uh Uh, Luckily, you have prevented me from becoming your competition in court in the future, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: you know, when you're talking about, like you said, I don't know if he's really would he be suing Lords of London because he
2: just said, well, whether he is, no, I I, I think he would be. I I thought the implication was that he would potentially be suing uh, the NFL advisory committee. Who issued the second round NFL grade yeah. for the loss of value. And if I'm misunderstanding that, he could just be suggesting that he will be reaching out to Lords of London, uh, who will likely again not be returning his call because they don't exist, uh, to try to recoup the loss of value, uh, that Dylan Moses experienced because of
1: this injury on the deal. But it's hard to, like you're saying, because everybody gets injured. Um, at some point, especially if you play football. So it's really hard to be like, whoa, you know, this is the reason why now. You know, this you know, this is the one reason why. And not think that maybe a year from now he may would have had some different injury, right? It's really hard to prove that out. And I think it's interesting too how they're like, we will represent Dylan in his negotiations with the University of Alabama. Like, you're a Student, I know this is a unique situation because he's a football star and it's Alabama, but I haven't really heard of students having like legal representation just in terms of going to college unless they actually have like a legal situation that needs to be resolved, which maybe they feel like he does, but not just like we're going back for senior year. Let me talk to my lawyer. Who's my dad?
2: Yeah, this is it's it's an odd one for so many reasons. And I, I think you hit on a great point by saying there's really no way of knowing if the loss of value would have occurred, even if he had continued to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen countless examples of somebody having a great first year or even great first half of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then teams studying the tape, finding their moves uh, and finding ways to contain uh, and stop uh, the player from being effective. So it's, yeah. it's hard to know, even if he had played the full season, that there wouldn't be, have been a degradation um, in his draft status uh, and in how teams across the league viewed his ability. Um, it, 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 this team, woof, woof, even without the uh, invocation of the trust protector of the royal crowd and Lords of London. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's an uphill climb no matter what. So when they write Trust Protector of
1: the Royal Crown, um, and, and by the way, I do want to add context here because I had to skip through some of this letter. It's a long letter. But they did mention that um, previously in the spring of 2019, Dylan was projected to be a first round pick and then following, following his injury, he was projected to be a second round pick. So he can't say there's a loss of value there, but when when he says, trust protector of the royal crown, does this man think he, um, is he trying to say that Dylan is like a member of the royal family? Or is that just like lawyer terms that go over my head? Because when you say the royal crown, that makes me think of like the queen and like Meghan Markle and everybody. So... Am I misunderstanding, or is um, Dylan Moses' father, did he photocopy? did he, did he um, copy and paste from the wrong document
3: here?
2: <laughs> so, I think, at least the first part of it, I think, is a reference to the fact that uh, he is acting as the protector of Dylan Moses' trust. Um, I am with him that far. Uh, the royal crown might be a reference to a Louisiana-specific... Um, statute or some sort of arcane precedent that calls for the use of this, uh, antiquated and, and sh- assuredly anachronistic language. Um, I will say that, uh, I certainly have never seen anything like it. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not the, the practice in Louisiana. Um, I'm sure as you know, Louisiana, uh, though a part of the United States, uh, has is, uh, many, many, uh, uh, legal eccentricity, so to put it mildly, uh, one of two states in the, a country where you can be convicted by a jury that doesn't reach a decision unanimously, huh. although that might change at the Supreme Court this year. But they are just really operating their own sort of uh, Creole, Cajun uh, mix Cajun of laws that it requires a, a Louisiana-specific degree to really understand the, the, the true nuances of the law down there. So before I, I really make fun of uh, it, it, the, the trust protector of the crowd, I, I will concede that it is possible uh, that that is a normal thing for uh, uh, Edward Moses Jr. to say, though it seems really hard for me to believe.
1: Yeah, well, okay, let's get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, like you said, they do a lot of things different down there in Dubai. The so maybe this is just one of them in their legal system. Now, you know, like like you said, Lords of London, maybe he was using that, maybe he was using autocorrect and, and his computer just, just changed it and he didn't go back and read it. But Lords of London is definitely not the insurance agency he's referring to in this. He's been scammed. Now, I don't think Lords of London exists. But if they do, um, my best guess would either be that it's like Ron Weasley's favorite professional Quidditch team, the Lords of London, or maybe like a folky, kind of old-timey folky band that's like, hardy-tardy, fucking straight, London Boys, and something else, like kind of, I guess that sounds Irish now, but um, those are kind of like what I envision I mean, do you think do you
2: think these are good guesses? What
1: do you think if there is real Lords of London? Who 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 do you think they might be?
2: You know, I think it's possible uh, that before Mumford and Sons went with Mumford and Sons, they were uh, Lords of London, but felt like that was maybe too regal uh, to really catch on here in the states, and so they went just with Mumford um, and his uh, traveling uh, progeny, uh, traveling male progeny. But it's it's a weird. It's a weird grouping. Also, particularly in this time, you know, where uh, Meghan and Harry mm-hmm. are say are, are walking away from the crown. Seems like a weird time to be associating here with, with royalty and saying, no, 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 we want in. We're lords, we're ladies, and we're certainly London.
1: Yes, sir. Well, I guess after all the legal confusion here, something... They couldn't figure it out because Dylan's going back to Alabama for his senior season. He will not be entering the NFL draft. <laughs> Whatever claim they tried to put in with Lords of London, they did not get the message. They got the uh, return to sender on that bitch real quick. They were like, well, yes, I, I was going back because uh, they got one of those weird no reply things on their email with just a bunch of different random characters and shit from Yahoo saying, um, no, this is not real.
2: And um, they're going back to it, going And back. just to get it, just to get ahead of the conspiracy theorists out there, I just want to be clear. Um, I did not set up a Lords of London front to try to, uh, defraud the Moses family no. of any funds. Uh, none of my clients, uh, set up a Lords of London front to defraud the Moses family. Uh, I will, uh, actively and vigorously pursue anyone out there on the internet who proliferates this. Completely false and baseless claim. Um But again, I just wanted to say we have nothing to do with Lords of London, nope. um, and so please don't suggest that we do. Absolutely not.
1: And, and we will sue you if you say we do. So I'm glad that I have you here on the air just to clarify that. Uh, you know, we will write you a very strongly worded, worded letter from His Royal Majesty
2: and um, the Crown of the I'm
1: Open Podcast. <laughs>
2: I, I will uh, write uh, from the uh, Trust Protector of the Kings County here in New York, mm-hmm. uh, and I will take you on. I will uh, copy the letters that Devin Nunes' lawyers have sent out to people, and I will just do a quick Apple F and change out some names. And believe me, uh, we will come for you. I think those have worked relatively well for uh Congressman Nunes and his experience yeah. and in taking down his cow on his Twitter. Uh, so we will come for you. Just yeah. So, you know that. To so, so we don't want to.
3: Yeah,
1: we don't want to. But if you make us, we will. And I think it just goes to show in this whole situation, um, you're never too old to copy paste. You know, even if you're a lawyer, even if you're really official, grown up with a job. You can still copy and paste some random document you find, just pop your son's name in there or whoever you represent and just call it a day start put, sending out
2: the memo to the press. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about lawyers is that they steal um, they stuff, uh, particularly language specifically, from each other all the time. Some people quote, some people don't. You should quote, you should yeah. cite, you should be grateful yeah. to those uh, whose work you're uh, working off of, but... Across the legal industry, you'd be shocked to see how many people uh, are just doing plug-and-play uh, with their clients' watch. That's shocking. I, of course, I want to be clear. Again, I want to get out in front of this story. Outside of these letters, I'm not doing any of that. All of the work I do for my clients is original. And mm-hmm. if you're looking for representation, I would be happy to represent you in a number of years once I am barred and I have uh, worked out. Um, any issues arising from my, uh, run-ins with Wendy, uh, that have marred my past and will mar Wendy's future. Uh, yeah. after that point, once that's all resolved, I'd be happy to, uh, to represent any of the I'm Open family. Uh, it's a big family and, uh, you know, we'd love to uh, protect
1: them all. Well, you know, the family's growing every day. We're putting out fires here, uh, just making sure your, your, career, your uh, legal career doesn't get derailed before it even gets uh, out of the station. And, uh, you know, b- before we do say goodbye here, uh, is there anything you'd like to say, DJ, to uh, the I'm Open family out there before you sign off? Is there anything you'd uh, like, to, like to tell everybody around
2: the world? Well, I just want to say to the I'm Open family uh, that, uh, wow, what, a, what an honor it has been uh, to be open here with you uh up until now i've been closed mm-hmm. uh and that has been just debilitating for me for my family uh for close friends uh but to be able to open things up like this uh you know it's going to be i think life changing i don't want to speak too soon um but i'm in early talks with uh lords of london to get a good uh insurance policy going um just to protect my newfound fame uh and and hopefully fortune and what what an honor to be here! I, I want to thank you for the, the incredible work you do week in week out for the I'm Open family. Uh, the the granddaddy of them all. It's not lost on us, and and it's uh, it's always appreciated. Well, you know, we are so appreciative of uh, having you here on the
1: show, lending your 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 legal advice, your your Personal advice or life advice—it really means so much to all of us. And um, if anybody is looking for DJ or myself, we will be in the back office of the Lords of London, um, getting my vocal cords insured just in case
2: uh, anything goes down. All right, (laughs) you can find us on Twitter at Lords of London and on Instagram, Lords of London. Lords was taken, but L A W W W W D -S 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 S. Of, of London um, on Instagram, uh, hit us up uh, with all your legal questions Button and down. any
1: insurance needs. Yep, do not look up uh, Lads of London. That is different, and that's not us. So uh, we're not the lads. We're the completely lads. unaffiliated. Completely unaffiliated. Well, uh, thanks, uh, David, for being on the show, and can't wait to get you back uh, sometime soon. Oh, I can't wait. Thank all you right. so
2: much. I'm open. all
1: right
0: Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. We hope you had almost as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, tell your friends to listen to the show. Everybody, have a great night, and don't forget to stay open.